0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and
2: Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Morpheus. Oh, yes. You need a doctor? <laughs> I am a doctor.
0: I am a doctor. I should have died years ago. People all over the world have my disease. I'm here. To find a cure. We have to push the boundaries, take the risks. If you're gonna run, do it now. Dr. Michael Morbius? You've been missing for two months. When you're a stranger. Then you were found on a container ship that washed up off a of long island. Faces look ugly. When you're alone. Johnny! What did you do to yourself, Doctor? I wish I knew. Went from dying to being more alive than ever it worked Not exactly I have increased strength and speed and some form of bat radar what else can I do
1: There are limits there has to be
0: there's something inside of me' the hunt? consume blood Michael Can you control it? I don't know Half the city wants to kill
1: you
2: We haven't had anything this good since that thing in San Francisco when you spray.
1: The other half wants to control you
2: Hey, uh, Dr. Mike You and I should stay in touch
0: I'd do had anything to save a life I don't know what I'm capable of.
1: You save lives, you don't take them.
0: Are you here to heal the world? Or to destroy it? Who the hell are you, man? And um, I'm just kidding. It's Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. All
2: right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer from Morbius, and the story is as follows Biochemist Michael Morbius tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but when his experiment goes wrong, he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. The film is starring Jared Leto, Matt Smith, Adria Arjona, Jared Harris, Al Madrigal, and Tyrese Gibson. It is directed by Daniel Espinosa, and it is written by Matt Shazima and Burke Sharpless. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek.
3: Hello, everyone.
2: And also joining us as a guest here on the Next Best Picture podcast, first time mama's geeky herself, Tessa Smith, everybody.
1: Hey, thanks for having me today.
2: No, thank you very much for coming on to talk with us. I I know from watching your channel and interacting with you on social media that this is really like your nitty and gritty. Like you really love comic book movies, uh, anything to do like with this form of storytelling. like, And you really get into it, too, whether it's a trailer reaction or diving into spoilers. I've seen you uh, get to attend some world premieres for these movies as well. And this is, uh, well, <laughs> it, it is a Marvel film, um, but it's also what Sony is now calling an entry into the spider-man universe otherwise known as the ssu what an entry (sighs) they're missing a ck on the end as far as i'm concerned but (laughs) oh It's it's interesting, to say the least, uh, the direction that the industry is heading in, where everybody's trying to capitalize on the success of Disney and these shared universes and trying to make team-up movies, and in this case, Morbius, much like Venom before, it is a villain origin movie where we're following this character who we're supposed to empathize with, even though eventually he's being propped up to fight Spider-Man as a villain at some point in the future. I mean, that is the ultimate goal here with all these shared Spider-Man universe films. But even more context before we get into opening thoughts here, Morbius is a movie that I remember the first teaser for this dropped, I believe, in January of 2020. This is, (laughs) to me, what feels like eons ago at this point, and it's been delayed numerous times by Sony. You know, word on the street as it was getting delayed time and time and time again was that there was a lack of confidence in this movie. And now that we've actually seen the movie, I do think that some of that was founded, to say the least. Uh, This is starring Jared Leto, who everyone knows ever from. His band, 30 Seconds to Mars, or from his other acting roles in movies such as Dallas Buyers Club, which he won an Oscar for, um, uh, Suicide Squad, where he played the Joker, and uh, most recently, House of Gucci, where he played a cartoon character. Mario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what did we think of Morbius overall? Did it meet expectations, exceed, or completely missed a mark altogether? Tessa, we're going to start off with you since you're the guest here. General thoughts opening here. What did you think of Morbius?
1: Oh, man. When that first trailer hit, I was so excited when we saw his face as a vampire. I was like, oh, it looks awesome. This is going to be amazing. I love the character in the comics. So I was like, this is going to be Great. And then it wasn't even close. I think the best shot in the entire movie is that one we saw repeatedly in the trailer. I think after that, they were like, we don't need CGI anymore. We're good. We've got this really cool shot. I just, I was so let down. And the worst part is I went in with low expectations after knowing some people who had been able to see the screenings. And it's still, I just felt like, I can't even say there's a good story in there. Because I don't think there is a good story in there anywhere. And the CGI was awful and gave me a headache. And the story was so cut up that it's clear they must have kept changing it. I'm not sure what was going on. Jared Leto, I feel like he tried. Matt Smith was really good with what he was given. There's some poor choices. And the mid-credits just made me mad because that's not how it works. And I got very angry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so that's, that's my overall thought.
2: <laughs> sure, sure. Emma, what about you? Uh, what did you think of Morbius?
3: I'm going to start off by saying I don't do things that inflict pain on myself. Um, however, I made the exception to go and watch this film, um, which was quite the exception to make. Um, yeah, it just was not, not good. Um, you know, as I watch a lot of these Marvel films and, you know, all these villain origin stories or not even villain origin stories, just any origin story related to a Marvel superhero of any kind, I always kind of go into it uh, pretty blind just because I, I never really read those comics growing up. Um, and so some of the characters I am. I know about at this point. Others like Morbius never heard of her before. Really wish I had never heard of her after seeing this movie. Um, I mean, very similar to what Tessa had said. There really, the story was so messy. Um, I don't know like what the original script looked like, but God, was it probably an even worse mess than whatever this landed on. Um, the poor, yeah, the performance just really did not dick with me and do much with me. Um, It just felt so like just all over the place or like, you know, here's this thing that's happening. You're not really going to get an explanation as to why this person is acting the way that they are or why all this is going on. Just take it at face value and keep going with it. The only moment I will applaud this film for is that shirtless scene with Jared Leto because I was like, (laughs) man, that guy is So good looking for 50 years old. He really is. Um, So kudos to that body. Um, Not a whole lot kudos to anything else.
2: (laughs) You know, before Marvel really reinvented the superhero genre with Iron Man and then Christopher Nolan simultaneously was also doing that with uh, The Dark Knight as well. It was very interesting how the superhero genre was perceived prior to 2008 you know, other than Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, Tim Burton's Batman movies, comic book superhero films were considered quite a joke. Uh, you know, you had movies like Daredevil, Elektra, Catwoman, just to name a few here. And it was very dire all around. I mean, even the X-Men films started off very strong and then became quite poor as they went along until they also had to uh, reinvent themselves later on. So it was not a good time. Watching Morbius really reminds me of that era in a lot of ways, and I want to be very careful here because there's a lot of things that I've actually kind of thrown at the MCU for being formulaic and following certain rules that instantly garner them success, for example— every Marvel film seems to have all of these quippy one-liners and this like injected humor into it that is clearly designed to elicit a response from the audience or the stand-up and sheer moments where even when you're watching it then later on at home and you don't have an audience there with you to watch it, there are like these beats in the editing where it's like, okay, pause for the applause here. And it just comes off as awkward and weird. So these movies are like designed to get a reaction from a large audience in a theater. And, you know, I'm not really the biggest fan of that necessarily. Uh, But, you know, Morbius, yes, it is humorless. It takes itself very seriously. It's very dark, too. And I'm not saying that I have a problem with that, because it is the opposite of what other Marvel films are like. Even Venom. Uh, Venom is a movie that, despite the fact that that character uh, ultimately eats people, is grotesque, has these sharp fangs, and is really a dark character Like at its core, they managed to find a way to make Venom this <laughs> kind of wacky, crazy, split personality, buddy romance uh, with Tom Hardy giving this absolutely bonkers performance at its center. So it's kind of humorous when you watch it in that way. Uh, none of that is here in Morbius. None of that at all and i would be normally okay with that if they committed to the bit and they i don't feel like they commit to it because one of the cardinal sins that morbius commits here is it's a at its at its heart like at its core essence it should be an r rated dark story that is examining themes of moral and ethical quandaries uh, that this movie does not attempt to explore in any deeper meaningful way whatsoever it should have a ton of gore it should be badass and awesome but instead it's got this pg-13 rating where they're once again trying to follow a set formula to get asses in seats and please everybody and it just feels like it's at odds with itself in trying to find the right balance between those two I can imagine early stages, like in terms of script development, pitching this and Jared Leto signing on. I could totally see how and why the vision for this movie would have been very exciting for all those that signed up to make the film. But what we ultimately get in the end, what the final product is, I I don't know if it's exactly what maybe everybody was envisioning when they first came on board.
1: Yeah, no. Well, Isn't there a part where he, like, slits someone's throat and there's no blood at all?
2: Yeah, the guy's, like, convulsing and he's, like, (laughs) flailing his arms and everything. He's, like, grasping for his neck after he swipes at him. And there's no blood whatsoever. It's kind of ridiculous. And there are these scenes where, you know, he's clearly biting other people's necks and he's mauling these guys. And then, you know, once again, like I was saying before, there are some very interesting questions at the heart of this movie and this story of this doctor who would be willing to save anyone I'm sorry willing to do anything to save anyone and yet when he is uh, under control of this beast and he uh, does not have any uh, control over what he's ultimately doing he's killing people (laughs) he's sucking their blood and he's murdering people but what does the movie do oh these guys on this ship with these guns They were bad guys. (laughs) It's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
3: Those cops were literally like, why do I care if these hooligans, you know, eight less hooligans in the world. And I'm like, "Uh, anybody going to report that guy? (laughs) Like,
2: do you want this character to be a villain or not?
1: Right. Well, they couldn't figure that out, along with many other things they couldn't figure out, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) And and that's like kind of the biggest, I think, problem overall with this movie is that it doesn't commit to itself.
1: Right. Like they tried to have another villain in in it, but then still Morbius was still kind of being a villain, obviously was, he's murdering people. And it's kind of like, a, oh, well, I didn't have control of it, so it's okay. And they were bad guys anyway, so it's okay. That's not really the case it's kind of like venom does that too where he goes after just the bad guys so it's okay
2: but then eventually we're propping these guys up to fight spider-man and how is that going to work when your protagonist is only as good as your antagonist and i think we're being confused as or, or deceived or tricked if you will by uh these executives that are making these movies because they're ultimately an these are non-villain movies. They're making these characters into sympathetic protagonists that when they eventually do fight Spider-Man, we're going to be like, well, wait, who do I root for here?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, not this guy, because I did not care (laughs) even close to 1% at any point in this film about his, his, like, I did not give him any sympathy or empathy for anything. I was just like, What is going on right now? Like, seriously, like, who am I supposed to be rooting for? Like, I'm rooting for um, the single mother just to get out of this entire situation. (laughs) That's who I was rooting for.
2: We all know Jared Leto is intensely committed to any role that he takes on, sometimes for better or for worse. You know, I don't think that he is necessarily the Antichrist although it's funny, you know, put him in a suit and he kind of does look like one. But (laughs) I actually do think that he can be a very interesting actor sometimes, Uh, even when he is going over the top and, like I said, furiously uh, committing to something like House of Gucci, where it's just like, it's kind of a a car crash that you just can't look away from. (laughs) So it's always interesting one way or another. But what's, like, really baffling to me is that this is the first time in a very long time, I, I cannot recall the last time where I saw Jared Leto giving a lifeless, dull performance with no quirks, <laughs> no definable character traits of any kind, and it felt like he was just playing himself. And I understand that maybe he was just trying to fit like the, the tone of this very dour and serious movie with all of that, that he didn't want to distract maybe from the vision that Daniel Espinoza, the director, maybe was trying to convey here, but at the same time, it's at odds with the movie. Because once again, we're supposed to care about this character because we're following him for an hour and 40 somewhat odd minutes. But to your point, Emma, I don't care about him at all. And maybe a good performance could overcome the weak screenwriting that is not doing a good job of Uh, of getting us on this character's side, but he's not even giving an interesting performance.
1: And then uh, the thing that bothered me is talk about caring about him. I... Felt like it was so rushed him being with that girl and like his love interest. And you're just like, they didn't yeah. have a conversation about the fact that he like murdered a bunch of people like <laughs> while she was right there.
2: She was a ride or die. She didn't care what he was doing. She really? she was with him until the very end.
3: She saw what we saw in terms of the shirtless scene. And she was like, oh, I'm going to look the other way. It's fine.
2: <laughs> I remember hearing uh, before seeing this movie that uh, she was meant to be like his fiance. But then I think that they're, you know, she's more like his girlfriend. And then. Watching a movie.
3: You don't know what she
1: is. Yeah, no.
2: I I was like watching and saying to myself, wait a minute, why would you, why would you not like kind of start them off as colleagues who aren't necessarily together and kind of try to work in a romantic angle into this? Because at least then maybe that would have been an entry point for us to maybe humanize and care about Morbius a little bit more.
3: Right. Well, I well, mean, it- they kind of did because like in the beginning there was like, it was like so bland between them. It was just, you know, oh, Morbius, you're at it again. You know, <laughs> why are you doing this stuff? My, I told you a million times not to do this. And then they like kiss and it's like, <laughs> wait, okay, what? It's just, it was just one of many examples of how like things jump the gun, like from one page mm-hmm. to the to another. It was like there was nothing in between that gets you from point A to point B.
2: And and listen, I'm, I'm thankful. I am thankful that this movie is under two hours long oh, because oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like every comic book movie nowadays has a mandate to be over two and a half hours long. So I am grateful for that, especially if it's going to be this bland and this dull that you get me out quickly as possible. And that's actually, it's funny. That's one of the things about the movie that actually works in its favor because I couldn't be too mad at this movie when it was over because of the fact that I'm like, well, at least they didn't waste my time for two hours. Like they got me out relatively quick. But at the same time, the storytelling, to your point, Emma, is so rushed, Oh yeah. so rushed that we miss all these little nuances and beats in between that could actually give these characters some
1: form of development. Yeah, Yeah, well, it was just like, Here's act one. Here's half a second of act two. And then here's the end. Yay. And you're like, wait.
2: I almost couldn't believe when the credits came up. I was like, wow, wait, at- it's over, you know?
1: And then they rushed the, I mean, again, thank you very much. But they rush the mid and end credit scenes. Like they do not have, they're like, boom, boom. Okay. And now here's the real credits. You can leave. <laughs> you're like, oh, because usually you have to wait through the entire thing, like a very long time to get the second end credit scene. And it was like, we're just going to give it to you early so
2: you can leave. I knew we were in trouble right from the very beginning when we're presented this flashback and then this flash forward and then we're just kind of like hopping around in time and Jared Harris does not age 20-something years you. or whatever it's supposed to be. <laughs> I'll
3: like... tell you everything you need to know about this movie. The fact that that man did not get a single wrinkle between two and a half decades, that's literally the definition of this film.
2: Like, you could have at least grayed up his hair or something. There's,
1: a, I mean, maybe they just already blew their CGI budget, apparently. They're all...
3: wanna... I'm pretty sure that... Th- Morbius created some type of concoction. Let's just say that that's what happened. And that's why he didn't age.
2: <laughs> you know, and then, as I was saying earlier, Morbius has a rare blood disease that's eventually going to kill him. And so does Milo, who's kind of like his surrogate brother, his best friend. And I just found it very interesting that these two characters who meet when they're children and Jared Harris is like, I'm going to take care of him you go off and you do your own thing. Uh, like, you do, you babe. And not to mention, and Milo becomes like exceedingly rich. And I just kept wondering while I'm watching this, well, why isn't Morbius also rich? Like, you know, can't he get a little kickback from his friend Milo every now and then? Hey, $5,000 a month, dude, just because I'm your bro or something. Like, I don't know. It's like very odd the way that they set up their relationship. And then we instantly kick into the current timeline. And it's like, well, how did we get here? Uh, How did these characters become who they became, essentially? And I just found the storytelling to be, once again, like very rushed, confusing, and missing a lot of beats in between that could have helped to really flesh all of this out and get me more emotionally invested.
1: It makes me feel like they, I mean, it's very clear they went back and kept editing stuff over this whole delay. Yes. And it feels like, I don't know if there was like, Spider-Man was part of it, because there was all that stuff in the trailer where you had Spider-Man, the thing of him that says murderer across it and then they don't even they just completely took that out oscorp was in the trailer they completely (laughs) took that out and it's just like what were they doing is it just it makes me wonder if it's partly because of the delay did they have to change things because of no way home did that mess with their plans or did venom let there be carnage mess with their plans but then they never fix it it's like they just pulled out pieces and we're like oh we'll just stick it all together with these pieces missing
3: Yeah, basically, like, you guys can fill in the blanks here. And it's like, I don't want to. I actually want to see some creativity going on here.
2: (laughs) I mean, speaking of creativity, one shining bright light in this movie, for me, was uh, Matt Smith as Milo. Mm -hmm. I thought that Matt Smith, while it's not a great performance or anything like that, I really could tell that he was relishing in the opportunity to play a character that is just so two-dimensionally evil. (laughs) I say two-dimensionally because there really isn't that many layers here. The motivations are so rushed and honestly, like, so generalized that it frustrated me to no end that, once again, you actually have some very interesting themes to play with here as characters who are close to death and one is a doctor, one is a rich guy who... You know, no matter what the consequences are, like, he's willing to pay any price for his own selfishness to cure himself. And I really just thought there was so much to explore there. And the movie does not do anything with that. But Matt Smith dancing shirtless and, like I said, just (laughs) relishing in every moment he could to just be evil that was probably the high point of the movie for me.
1: That part was so weird for me. I was like, I mean, me I love. It. I mean, it's
2: definitely weird, but at least it's like kind of this is this is weird, but in a fun way.
1: I, I don't know. My I was there with my daughters. And my daughter looks over at me. And she goes, "That was <laughs> weird." After, <laughs> was like,
0: yeah,
1: it didn't feel like it fit. And then his dancing in the subway thing. I was like, "What is up with this?" I don't know. He, I thought he was great at, with what he could do uh, with the role, What, the, you know, all that he could do with it. But I just felt, again, like you said, there's no motivation. Like, why is he so evil? Why is he so yeah. bad?
2: I think it's because, if I had to take a guess, it's because this is a character who has not been able to live life to the fullest, and he's frustrated and angry with that, and he has all this pent-up anger with his condition So this is like a chance for him to kind of just like let loose with that,
3: I suppose. Well, then baby, go take a trip to Cabo or something like you (laughs) do not need to kill everybody for this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say that the motivations like it's there, but it's so, so stripped down to such a bare essential that it just doesn't make any sense then because there is no, there is no exploration of it. It's like, okay, why is he killing people? He's killing people because he can.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's it. That's all. That's the movie's only explanation that they give us for it.
3: Yeah.
1: He has one line. Doesn't he say like, well, we've lived close to death. Now it's their turn. Yeah. Like, well, you didn't it's live like, close
2: what? to death. You just What kind of motivation them? is that? <laughs> I know. And then, they, and then we, he says something along the lines of we are the few against the many. He says what,
3: that so many times.
2: What are you trying to convey with that? I don't know. Like, is this, is this meant to be like some sort of, um, <sighs> like some sort it's of like a-, a Yeah, like, some sort of a stance on, like, how people that are disabled are looked down upon by other members within society. I I don't, like, understand what the movie's trying to get at here. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I don't think they know
2: either. No, (laughs) I don't. But I did think Matt Smith was fun.
1: He was fun. I'll give you that. He was probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh,
2: In terms of, you know, once again, this is a Marvel type of, you know, superhero comic book action movie. So naturally, there are action scenes in here. And for the most part, I have a couple of exceptions here or there. For the most part, I actually did not mind the action scenes in this. I didn't think they were great. But I thought they were more coherent and easier to follow than something like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, where I really could not tell you what was going on in some of those fights sometimes. And I think a large reason for that here is because the way that they use the... uh, bat sonar radar like vision if you will like there's a lot of slow motion in mm-hmm. these fight sequences and I think it's overused a little too much um you know oh look at this cool shot oh man isn't that great like it, you can feel the filmmakers like wanting us to point at the screen and be like isn't that cool did you guys think that was cool uh, <laughs> but it did help for me to understand at least what was going on during those action scenes you know
1: well, because he moves very quickly. And then I kept it kept making me think of like Harry Potter when they apparate like <laughs> when they're like flying yeah. through the air. Like I kept thinking that because I was like, what are they doing? But you're right. I mean, they slow it down a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. I did like the one continuous shot of uh, Smith and Leto tumbling down the uh, the subway.
1: Yeah, that yeah. one was cool.
2: Because you could tell they were going from stuntmen to visual effects, <laughs> and yeah. it was it was interesting because there were some shots in there where I was like, "Nope, that's definitely two stuntmen like falling down," oh, yeah. and the seamless blend of it then being visual effects and clearly um, digital doubles. I, I I I mean, while I could spot it, and I could tell that's how they pulled off that shot. I still thought it was pretty wild to see that one continuous camera move go down the subway like that I, I thought that was pretty neat
3: yeah there were like yeah. among the things that I didn't really enjoy with this film you know one of the things that I did kind of give it you know kudos for was there were some pretty creative editing and visual choices some of them were definitely overused like how we say like the slowing down effect there were just a one too many times where it did that for me um and the bat like hearing sonar hearing effect um I did think that that was pretty cool though it again it happened a few too many times they were like oh yeah we're really got to work this up he's a bat he's a vampire you know what they have they got stoner hearing. here it's like no i got that you didn't have you don't have to do it every time
2: like i understand he's meant to be a vampire but at the same time i was like no he's not a vampire He doesn't, he could go in direct sunlight, he can have holy water splashed on him, like he he doesn't suffer from the same weaknesses that other vampires do. I'm like, that man is a bat. He is as close to Batman than Batman is.
3: Yeah, he really is. I did like that one little um, like joke with the sunlight that they did. I was like, I gotta give it to you, Jared Leto, you got me with that one.
0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So
0: if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you
2: listen to podcasts. But at the same time, like, once again there is a very interesting way to explore like vampire uh, folklore uh, myths and like really dive into making this a different type of vampire movie than what we have ever seen before. Uh, But it feels like once again, they're just giving us the bare minimum and they're never really diving into it. I, I even thought that this idea of him being not in control of his current situation. I was like, Oh, tie that into how you have no control over life and how sometimes death can just creep on you at any time. Like tie this in thematically somehow, please give me something to chew on as an audience member. And this movie just kind of represented everything I hate about blockbuster filmmaking nowadays, where you know, sorry, Noah this really is fucking junk food. I want my fucking vegetables.
1: <laughs> no, you're exactly right. There wasn't anything. It, and it goes back to it being rushed and it being, like, they never tied anything in. And then, are we talking spoilers? Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So, like, when the girl dies there at the end, I, and she's like, make it mean something, like, drink my blood. I was like, where did we, how did we get to this point? That just felt so dumb. And then I didn't care about them as a couple anyway. So it was supposed to be, I think, this big emotional moment. He's going to drink her blood to become, be able to fight his best friend. And you're just like, I don't care. You didn't set yeah. this up right. Like, okay, nope. she's dead now. All right, whatever. Like,
2: I had zero emotional investment. Zero. Yeah. None. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to the third act of this movie. In fact, what I was looking forward to at that point was I was like, okay, please let her be a really good – Post credit scene at the very (laughs) least, because at least then I can leave this theater on a high and the post credit scene for this movie is uh, so lame.
1: Well, it's clear they have we're going to have have in the movie and just we're like, okay, we need to change everything. So we're going to stick this at the end of the movie. I don't know.
3: I have to admit, I left the theater. I did not stick for the post-credit scenes. I oh. literally was like, I got Do you know what it is? No, I don't. Oh, well, it doesn't exist. <laughs>
2: is what. No, no. So basically, you know, Adrian Toomes, um, basically the uh, vulture. vulture character from um, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, played by Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. He shows up at the end of the, the movie in the post-credit literally, scene.
1: Literally materializes out of thin air. Sure. Yeah, because
2: of the whole... <laughs> Uh, Spider-Verse thing, the multiverse, sure. whatever they want to call it. Yeah. And he approaches Morbius and kind of like Samuel L. Jackson going up to Robert Downey Jr. He's like, I want to form a team. Mm, <laughs> and <yeah>. that's it. <laughs> Credits.
1: Wow. (laughs) yeah, But the problem with that is um, that's not how the spell works. Everyone got sucked into Tom Holland's uh, version. This is a (laughs) different universe. And then he just stays there. He never leaves. He gets stuck. So even with Venom, they moved him to the MCU and then he left. This is someone randomly coming in and he ends up in a jail cell. He materializes in a jail cell. And they're like, this man claiming to be Adrian Toomes. So there's no... He doesn't exist in that universe already. And then he hangs out there and he has his vulture suit. And you're like, why is he still here? Like, this isn't how it I feel like they just made up their own rules of the multi. I
2: agreed Because then I was like, how did he get the suit? Like, did the suit like travel with him and yeah. appeared somewhere else and he found it later? Like, a package <laughs> deal. especially if, if he's not meant to exist in this universe or did he take time to build it from scratch again? It's just so careless. And you can tell that there really is not that much thought put into it other than we got to get these guys together. We got to get this band together to fight Spider-Man. A band. Yeah. <laughs> you play bass. You play Kazar. <laughs>
3: well, exactly. It's like We're going to be- form 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> <Spider-Man>. <laughs> That's the
2: post-credits scene of Morbius. <laughs> it's the formation of 30 Seconds that to Mars. That would have been better.
3: <laughs> I would have watched that movie, honestly. <laughs>
2: right. Oh, Oh, my gosh, that's great. Um, So another thing I also want to bring up about this, too, because they are two, you know, pretty prominent actors here. Al Madrigal and Tyrese Gibson play two cops who are on the trail of these murders that Morbius and Milo are committing in their wake. And there is literally nothing (laughs) that comes of this whatsoever. Nothing absolutely nothing. So the movie like devotes all this time. And, you know, these are not no name actors. These are actors that are very recognizable. They get quite a lot of scenes together and it just comes off as a waste of time with very little to zero payoff whatsoever.
1: I mean, it goes back to, I feel like they cut a bunch of stuff out and then didn't fill it with anything new and just shoved it together because it makes no sense. They're on the, they're so invested. They're looking at security cameras. They're trying to figure this
3: all out. And then they don't get Nothing pans Nothing. (laughs) They remind me of the cops in the Batman, like literally always like 50 steps behind, like (laughs) always trying to play catch up to something that's going on here. Yeah, I was just like, man, you guys are not earning your paycheck today. I'm sorry, but you have not. Hey, you have yet to like show any bit of evidence for anything.
2: (laughs) I I really do love Jared Harris. I I truly I do. But that's another one in this movie where it's just like, give me the paycheck. I showed up.
3: Yeah. And that's really sad. I, 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 I just
2: don't understand how this screenplay was unable to give anybody anything of substance.
1: It's that's why really I feel like it's sad. It, yeah. It, it has to have been not the original script. Like, it has to have been completely destroyed and edited and cut up because or else why would people have signed on for this thing?
2: Cause I actually, I actually want to give some credit where credit's due here. Um, I do think Daniel Espinosa who directed this movie, I actually do think that if the script was better and to your point, Tessa, if it hadn't been chopped up in the editing room, I do think his vision for this movie, while it's not my preferred vision, once again, I kind of wanted a hard R unique entry into this franchise. I, I still think that there was enough there that he could have made this um, you know, digestible. Like it could have actually have worked. Yeah. Um because of one because like I said earlier, I think the action scenes are good enough. They're not great, but they're fine. I think that the tone that they're going for here it could have worked if I was more emotionally invested. So I kind of like lay most of the problems. I understand the director is in charge of all these different departments and bringing everything together. But I think I really do lay most, if not all of the issues with this movie at the screenplay's feet because the number one thing that I just really could not understand with this movie was how you don't have a deeper exploration of themes. You don't get me invested in your characters. I was really... I, I, I hate to say it. I was bored yeah. watching this movie
1: and it goes quick. And so it's hard to be bored when something is so <laughs> quick. Mo- yeah. yeah.
3: Even, even with a short runtime, I, I took, check, checked my phone at one point to see what time it was to see like how much longer there was left in this movie. And I was like, Oh my God, there's still 45 minutes. Like what, what is there here that like, we haven't already like bulldozed through at this point.
2: So what I want to do now at this point is I kind of want to get to final thoughts on Morbius. Anything that we did not mention that you want to mention or something you want to reiterate. Tessa, we can start off with you. This is your chance to get it all off your chest. Any final thoughts on Morbius?
1: Well, yeah. So one thing I don't think we talked too much about when he would be like talking and then he'd get like angry or whatever you want to call it and become like a vampire for (laughs) half a second. I felt like that, that was the CGI that really bothered me because I felt like they were like almost every time they made it a really dark scene. So you can barely see it. And then he flashes his teeth or he flashes this and it really and i feel awful saying this but it gave me like did you guys watch buffy the vampire slayer and yeah. angel like <laughs> it gave me vibes of like oh this is buffy and angel and they would like get mad and crinkle their nose up and be angry and then they go back to normal face then and-
2: i was thinking of um scary bilbo in fellowship of the ring yeah <laughs> where it's like all of a sudden you're normal and then a split second later I just was <laughs> like <laughs> i, I would have liked some you know jump scares from those moments because I- t- did it not come off to you all that this movie was trying to elicit jump scares.
1: It tried, but it, and I am one of the most didn't. jumpiest people. <laughs> and I was like, not jumping. My daughter, who's with me, she's nine, and she begged me to see this movie. And I was like, all right, fine. She even like didn't jump at all. At the, listen, this is real bad. This tells you something. I took her out of school 15 minutes early because when the movie started, and after the movie, she goes, I wish I had stayed at school. I was like, oh,
3: ooh. No. Ooh. that's bad. Ben, you're- Your daughter is an icon. I'm throwing it out there. She's an icon. Sitting comfortably in her seat, not even enjoying her popcorn, watching this train wreck of a movie, (laughs) wishing she was still in class. What a legend. I I
2: will say that I actually did enjoy the blend of practical makeup with visual effects at times when they were doing um, Morbius' transformation into the giant human bat thing, whatever you want to call it. I thought that the, some of the makeup, even even if it was a blend with visual effects, like I, I thought that the, the effect itself was pretty cool at times.
1: I like the one in the trailer, you know, the first reveal when it's at, I think it's in the movie, it's after he kills all those people and he yeah. like turns his head. I was like, that looks awesome. And it felt like that was the peak of looking awesome. Yeah. And that's at the beginning of the movie, ish, at the beginning ish of the movie. And then you're like, oh, all right.
2: And then there are times where Matt Smith, uh, (laughs) like his, uh, because he's like yelling a lot. So they're like elongating his jaw and like, (laughs) you know, really showing his teeth off. He looks more ghoulish than he usually
3: does. (laughs) Yeah, he he was terrifying,
2: actually. And then Jared Leto, I'm watching this and, you know, nowadays because of Captain America, I, I never know now, okay, did that actor get really skinny for real, or is this <laughs> a CGI effect? And with Jared Leto, I I, I, I don't know the answer because he's just so fiercely committed. Uh, so if he did lose all that weight and then put it all back on later and all that muscle, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Jared Leto to do that. But, and, and if so, if that is true, when he was uh, skinnier, Some of the makeup effects like on his body, like to show his veins and the sweat and everything else. I was like, oh, this is some pretty interesting makeup work they got Mm -hmm. going on here.
1: I wouldn't put it past him to do it either. He feels like the person who would. He's so method all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. i wouldn't
1: I wouldn't be surprised, like Christian Bale did that for a movie, right didn't he he had
2: machine up, machinist, yeah,
1: it was he actually did it, right?,
2: yeah, oh, yeah, no, no no. Yeah. he did it, and he also did it in an unhealthy way too. uh mm. like the kind it's the kind of stuff that like from an actor's point of view, the way that they commit sometimes to these weight loss or weight gains, it's like there there's clearly a healthier and better way to do it. and with Jared Leto, I wouldn't put it past him to just you know. Smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and uh, lose a hundred pounds. I
1: just yeah. want to put it past him. <laughs> like... No, me either. I could totally picture him doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else?
1: I think I've said. Uh, oh, the mid credits make me the maddest. Just because I'm like, I'm gonna say it again and again. That's not how the spell worked, and it drives me nuts because <laughs> I feel like they're messing with. As a massive like Marvel fan, and really excited where they're going in phase four in the mcu this annoyed me because i was like you're undoing everything that marvel has just told us the only thing happened is people came into the tom holland mcu why is this person randomly showing up and then not leaving when it's all over i don't know i don't know how they're gonna fix it but it makes me mad and they better fix it and this is coming from someone i enjoyed venom let there be carnage didn't love it but like i had fun with it so i thought i can't hate morbius like i like bad movies And then, (laughs) no, no, I
2: still didn't like it. It, It's like the storytellers, the executives, the producers, anyone that's like in charge here. Why not just call Kevin Feige on the phone? I know. I understand it's a different studio. I get it. But why not just like it? Because, and and you know what? Maybe they did, but it doesn't seem like they did. Because to your point, Tessa, I don't understand how there could be this break in continuity if they did collaborate.
1: Well, exactly. I feel like they went and did it themselves anyway. Like, ha, this is going to be fun and they can't tell us what we're going to do.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Emma, final thoughts?
3: Um, <laughs> I tweeted about this because it just stood out to me so much and it's so stupid. But they focused a lot on the shoe wear with uh, Jared Leto <laughs> and Matt Smith's characters and it annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> First of all, you're telling me Jared Leto's character earns a Nobel Peace Prize and yet he somehow cannot tie his shoes once throughout this entire film, whether he is healthy or he is battling his bloodborne illness. That's one strife. The second strife (laughs) is Matt Smith's choice of New Balances, which were quite possibly the ugliest New Balances ever created by that company. And I'm just like, baby you are so rich in your very lovely penthouse apartment. You can't afford anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Those are two things that stood out to me in regards to just the most random things that I pay attention to. Uh, see, this is how you get through these awful movies by having fun (laughs) and just focusing on the most random things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just it's really sad to see that, you know, these movies are the ones that, you know, pr- really good actors choose to sign up for and they end up being such train wrecks and it's like why did you guys even bother to like waste your time with this and it goes back to our you know constant conversation during this podcast on what was that original script like what was the original idea what was all of this proposed as that that did get all of these people on board it certainly seems to be v- vastly different from <laughs> what it ended up turning out to so it's just sad to see that. And, you know, my theater, I saw this on Thursday night. Um, it was more filled than other films are, which, again, makes me sad because, uh, you know, they're, they're really good movies that come out, guys, so much better than this, like in a million one different ways. I would love to see those people go and see those films. Um, I understand, though, why they why they choose to go see the Marvel Studio films, but man, this was, this was really not a good one. It was just so dreary in so many ways. Um, I guess if they were trying to go for the dreary mood, they really hit, hit the nail on the head. <laughs> However, I don't think it was as intentional as it turned out to be. Um, and yeah, I, it's just like, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was uh, my theater was like they actually showed it in like one of the smaller theaters at the mm-hmm. theater which shows you how many tickets were sold and sure. it was the first <laughs> showing the four o'clock showing which I went to for no way home which was in the biggest theater and packed and people were cheering and oh, screaming yeah. and this one we were walking out and uh I asked the girls if they liked it and so we kind of had this conversation and everyone around us was like oh that was bad like not one person was like oh that was entertaining Everyone was like, that was a struggle.
2: I'm still trying to figure out what's the deal with. (laughs) Doesn't he introduce himself as Lucian to Morbius? And he says, you know, your name is Milo. And then his name is Milo throughout the rest of the movie.
1: That was so dumb. I'm like, we know it's not Milo. Like, I get it when they're kids. Haha, it's funny. And but then even when he like dies and he has to fix the machine, he calls him by his Lucian. So who is in the comics? So that makes sense. But then they're just like, we're just going to call him Milo this whole movie. So that again, made me feel like, was there something that they were going to explain that? And then they cut that part out. Like, I don't (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And he even calls himself it. Like, it's fine with his name changed. I don't.
2: Have the two of you ever been to um, this very exotic location? It's called, International waters. Oh
3: my god! That's only like fourteen miles out from Long Island. I was just like, "Wow!" I did not realize you lived in such exotic.
2: Stuff. I I just was. I was screaming, <laughs> laughing when the text came up on the screen and it just said, international waters. I All of the not
3: geographical th- markers were spot on.
2: Once oh, again, like how God. lazy do you have to be with your screenwriting to not even bother to look up a geographical location and understand where that place would actually be in relation to, yeah. like they say, oh yeah, the container ship like washed up on the shores of Long Island. Like just pick somewhere around there in a body of water. Why would you say international? <laughs> It's just so stupid.
3: Like, I also oh. want to know how they got this massive lab set up in that container.
2: <laughs> well, apparently the, the way to set up oh, a lab my. nowadays is to just walk into a thug's lair. And, yeah. yeah. And that was another thing, too, is that the, the screenwriting in this is so convenient with the way that it solves problems at times. It, it's just it's too easy. It's too easy. You, you, you got to put more effort into this.
3: And not let even me that much. Introduce more effort. you. <laughs> like, Just let me. Tiny introduce little. you. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness. I'm hungry, and you won't like me when I'm hungry.
1: No, yeah, that was. I mean, come on.
2: Really? We're gonna lean into it like that?
1: There, I mean, Ugh. there was so much eye rolling dialogue that it was. Again, I don't know what they were doing. It bothers me because I'm like, was that the like joke take? Like, I'm going to say this because it's dumb and then they used it. I don't. Yep. I don't know. I hated that line. It made me so mad. Ha, angry. It made me angry. But I was just like, (laughs) why are they? I don't know. Whatever. It's bad decisions. Lots and lots and lots of poor decisions were made.
3: (sighs) I will say that a few people in my theater were like, actually laughing at the things that were said, like not even in like a joking manner. Like you can tell that they thought it <laughs> was like one of the funniest things they've heard. And,
2: and that's what reminds me so much of those comic book movies from like the early two thousands Yeah, where we weren't taking these stories seriously. They were very, very poorly made and every line of dialogue was so silly, contrived and set in a way where it felt like characters were just winking at the camera Mm-hmm. it just reminded me of that era so much so and it's like have we not have we not moved past that at this point like <sighs> at, at a certain point as much as I once again hate the, the copied formula of the Marvel movies I was like you know what just just copy it as, at a certain <laughs> point for this because god at least it would be better than what we're getting here <sighs> anyway um and then I think I think that's it i I mean, you know, I already mentioned Milo goes, you know, evil way too quickly in this yeah. movie with very, very little explanation as to why.
1: And we all knew it was him when the nurse like, I mean, I knew. I feel like everyone knew. Even my daughter leaned over when the when that nurse was killed and was like, it's gonna be his friend. I was like, yeah, I know. They didn't even make you think it was him, because then even Morbius like thinks it's him. Maybe I blacked out. I'm like, you didn't sell this at all. There's a way they could have made us, there's gotta be a way they could have made us think for a second it was him and not the friend who very clearly took the serum because of the conversation they had. But it was just like, it was just lazy to me. Like they didn't lean into it. They didn't care. They're like, yeah, you're going to find out eventually. So we're not really going to make it a, make it that suspenseful.
2: I guess this is my final note actually. And that is the music in this movie is trying to do some sort of heavy lifting here, but there's no memorable themes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I did not, I thought the sound work in the movie was actually pretty decent at times. I thought that there was some good sound and, it, you know, it, it felt great, you know, watching this in a the theater for that reason. But the music, I, 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 I always look for some sort of an iconic theme for these types of stories with the characters, because when they do pop up in another movie, eventually, you know, you want to have that theme playing. For that character, and I just never got a sense of what that was here for Morbius. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, Overall, I don't hate this movie. Uh, I think a large reason for that is because, once again, they got me in and out pretty quickly. Like, if this movie had been over two hours long, I probably would be even harsher on it than I am now. I did think that there was interesting stuff to explore in this film, but the movie does not bother to even address most of it. You know, from a visual effects standpoint, action scene standpoint, it was average. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great either. You know, I'm going to be maybe slightly generous here, and I have no reason to be generous. But at the same time, (laughs) I just didn't hate. I like I wasn't angry. Like, I I, like I didn't hate this as much as I thought I would. And maybe that has to do with the low expectations. I'm going to give this a weak ass three out of ten, essentially.
3: (laughs) Emma, what about you? I'm also going to stick with a 3 out of 10 for similar reasons. You know, there were some fairly creative, like, editing and visual choices in here. Um, And like I said, it had a really beautiful scene with a really beautiful (laughs) 50-year-old man for all of us (laughs) to enjoy.
2: (laughs) Uh, Tessa, what about you?
1: Well, I just, I'm mad at it, (laughs) personally. Uh, But that's, I think the, the Marvel fan in me was just... Like I said, I even enjoyed, like, I found things to really enjoy in Venom and, like, give it a positive overall review in both Venoms because I was like, well, it's fun. Well, the humor for me, like, worked a little bit, and this was just bad dialogue. For me, I thought the CGI was, for the most part, not good. Uh, Action scenes in Matt Smith are probably the only things that were somewhat decent for me. It felt choppy. The end credits drive me bonkers. Um, I'm going to go with a two, a two out of 10. And that's being nice.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> I'll be very nice and just say definitively, there is no Oscar potential for this movie. No,
3: no, no. Oh, Tessa, I would like to know what your daughter <laughs> gave this film.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's funny because I asked her and she did. She goes maybe like a half a star out of five. I was Oof. like, oh, Legend. And was.
3: Yeah. She is an absolute legend, and she's coming on the next episode of this podcast. <laughs> Listen,
1: she wants my job, so she'll do it. She's Aww. she's already interviewed people. She's like, this is my calling. I'm like, all right. Oh, what an awesome girl. She's, she's going to be a harsh critic, though, that girl. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, Tessa, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today with us. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. You guys can check me out at mamasgeeky.com. I also have an amazing team writing for me at mamasgeeky.com. You might know someone named Emma, who is one of those people. Uh, You can also find me on social media everywhere at mamasgeeky. And that's where I'm at. YouTube too. Mamasgeeky. It's
2: everywhere. (laughs) Well, thank you once again. And Emma Sasek, where can they find you on the internet?
3: You can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasick and letterbox at Emma Sasik and uh, on a website called Mama's Geeky and Next Best Picture.
2: (laughs) It's amazing how we're all coming together like this today. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of Morbius. You can subscribe to us here on, well, really every single podcast platform that you subscribe to. And we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network in doing so. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.